Welcome to Hunting for Nova Sparkus by Coho Creative. So welcome back. Today we are going to start our new season, and this season is actually about women as innovators. We believe innovation happens in every industry, and it takes people who are able to see what could be for it to happen. We believe women bring a unique perspective to every situation, making them great innovators regardless of their title. So this season, we are going to be speaking with women from different industries, and these industries are across the board, but they are doing fabulous things to really make change happen and move things forward. And today, I am here with Lane Rumpke. Lane, welcome, Lane. Hello, everyone. And I would love to introduce Lisa McClinton, who is the Associate Director of Business Expansion. So you can hear business expansion has all kinds of growth opportunities in it at the Cal Corporation. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I, we're, we're very happy to have you back. We'd love to talk to you, obviously, about just you. It, it, you know, what, what has made your career a success? And kind of give us an, an understanding of how you got to where you are today. Well, first of all, it's more terrifying when you say talk about me because it's so much easier to talk <laughs> about your job, about right? You. I know. That's why we, it is. It's a little different. That's why we're kind of turning it on its head. I know your job will come into it. Yeah. But a lot of it is about you and how how you think, how you work, how you feel. How she innovates. And how you innovate. Exactly. Right. No, I think, yeah, it's great. And and again, I'm honored to be here. So thank you so much, podcaster are definitely my favorite. So I love that you all have this forum to kind of share the word. And I've been listening to your past podcast and it's fantastic. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So where do I start? Well, I think, I think my love of brands and new products probably was there when I was younger. When I was 16, one of my first real jobs was at a Kroger, my local Kroger grocery store. I was a bagger for about a week. And then I got promoted to cashier. That's right. Awesome. Fast starter. <laughs> um, I spent four years there and I think, you know, people would come through the checkout line and I'd be like, Oh, what is this? I'm picking that up on my break, you know, new products. Um, and I don't think I really realized it that it at that time, but certainly, you know, in college I studied advertising and then after college I went to work for a food broker which um, what a food broker does in the consumer packaged goods or CPG industry is they call on mass retailers like Walmart and Kroger and Target um, on behalf of brands. And kind of, so we were hired by those brands to go in and make sure their new products were on shelf, that their products were in stock. And that really got me familiar with the in-store environment and working on behalf of different brands in different categories. So I had this wealth of seemingly useless knowledge about grocery stores. And several years later, I, I landed a job at cow. So cow pronounced yes, like the animal, cow, but spelled K-A-O. I started there in what's known as category management and later transitioned into marketing. So cow is what used to be in Cincinnati, the Andrew Jurgens company. And it was acquired by Cal Corporation, which is based out of Tokyo about a little over 30 years ago. We are widely known for many of our mass brands, which would be Jurgens and John Frieda Hair Care, Biore Skin Care, Curel, Band Deodorant. Um, we also have a premium salon business and have brands like Goldwell, KMS, 
and Orbe, and then um, some prestige businesses like Molten Brown Skincare that you may have heard of. But across the globe, Cow has probably more brands than I can count, and certainly more than I even know about because um, we're just huge across the globe. So I've been there for over 15 years, and all of that experience kind of eventually moved me into an innovation role where you know, I worked for some of our existing brands, but now I'm a leader on a rather new team, as you referred to our business expansion team. And my job is to map out new areas of growth for our organization that are outside of our existing brands and businesses. So it's a really cool opportunity to write the script for some knowledge that quite honestly, we don't necessarily have in-house and some things that we haven't done before. So I love it. And then (laughs) in addition to that, um, in my time at Cow, I'm also um, the co-founder of our Cow Network of Women group, which we call Cow Now. And that is about really women of the organization lifting up other women and being a part of that and meeting people through that and understanding what the needs of other women in the organization are has been just truly invaluable and a, a piece of my career that I could have never kind of plotted out. So it's, uh, it's just so rewarding. That's fabulous. And that's actually something, you know, I, I'm thinking back on my career, I would have loved to have had 20, 25 years ago. And, and not just having the, the connection from a mentorship standpoint, mm-hmm. but that other, that mentor actually being able to understand what you need to do to be brought up as opposed to, hey, go talk to this person. They're your mentor and you don't know what to do with that. So that's, yeah. that's really, that's really fabulous. Yeah, I mean, formal networking and formal mentoring, it's its a struggle sometimes because you have to match the right personalities. Yep. So yes. this really became a forum of informal networking and mentoring that has really um, been awesome in the organization. We were the first kind of employee organized group, and now there's so many more that, you know, really complement the CowNow group. That's fabulous. That's great. So- you know, knowing that you've, I, it's, it's interesting because you talk about having all this, this knowledge and maybe it's useless when you're a Kroger, but you can definitely see how you've progressed to where you are today. Yes. And so I have to ask, did you think of yourself as being an innovator of being innovative early on, or is that something that has just kind of happened by accident? Yeah. I think what, what brought me into marketing and eventually innovation was the creativity aspect. So I'd say, you know, my whole life, I love just being creative. If something doesn't exist, well, then, you know, let's create it. How can we make it work? And I don't think that I always realized that that's what it would parlay into. But um, I think that's certainly the background that brought me there. And and just the, you know, striving for making things better, um, better ideas, a better way to do things. All of that to me is a part of innovation. Has that been easy or hard for you? Well, I think it depends on, you know, this, what it is, but innovation, the, the success rate of new products in the industry that I work in, it's not very high, right? So, and that's across the board. When you look at startups and entrepreneurs as well, I mean, success is, is really tough. And so I think that's, in that way, it's a challenge, but learning how to kind of keep ideas fresh, bring in new opinions of other people, leverage those in the organization, I think is, is what excites me and keeps me going. 
How do you define innovation? You said creativity, but are there more ways that you define innovation and and how do you define that success that you just referred to? Yeah, I, I think to me, it goes back to that idea of um, always searching for something better, whether it's a better idea or a better way of doing it, a better outcome. And I think that's important even when something's already good enough, because if you're not pushing the envelope, you know, there could be a better way that we're not uncovering. And I think we saw a lot of that through the pandemic, right? We, you know, working from an office and um, having conference calls with the spider phone in the middle of the table was good enough, (laughs) but people were getting left out. People's voices weren't being heard. And I think, you know, finding a better way to do things, I don't know. It's just what drives me. Yeah. What do you say to the people that think that good enough is good enough and they don't Mm. see the need for it? That's hard, right? Because I think influence is, is tough. And I, and I think we, you have to balance that with being choiceful too. So is it worth a better outcome or is your time best spent elsewhere? And I think that's the, the challenge as an innovator is finding those biggest growth opportunities, focusing your efforts there instead of trying to chase every little thing. So. And I, I think actually you, you hit on the influence piece and it's a, I always think about influence with navigation and understanding internally mm-hmm. who do you need to influence when and how. Mm-hmm. Have you seen successes with that, with your new role, or have you had some roadblocks or struggles? Yeah. You know, what's interesting about the team that we have is that, um, like I said, there's it's new to the organization. So everyone is just looking to be enlightened or to be educated. And I think our first step was to take it upon ourselves to go educate ourselves, decide what are the possibilities of new paths of growth, and then investigate those enough to say, these should be the top priorities. Um, And once you've kind of done a little digging, then bringing those ideas to the broader organization, I think really um, helps people get behind it and and see the possibilities in it. But it's also highlighting what you're not choosing and why you're not choosing that. Because I think that you know, gets to those choices to show that we're not just chasing everything. We're going after where we see the biggest opportunity and that fits with us as an organization. Do you feel like being a woman has helped your ability to be a good innovator? And if so, what what do you believe that you bring to the table that's maybe stronger than what a male counterpart might be bringing? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very fortunate that, um, one, I work in an organization that has a lot of amazing women. So our president of our cow U.S. mass business is a female. And many of my colleagues are female because the brands that we um, have just tend to attract female applicants for the most part. Um, So I'm surrounded by positive influence and I never feel like I'm in an environment where it's male versus female. But, you know, Along that line, women are the consumers for most of our products, or you know, at least they're the head of household shoppers, so they're buying for others in their household. Um, and I think that gives an edge because you're shopping in the same stores, you're using the same products, you understand those behaviors, you can be more empathetic to that, which comes with a danger, right? Because you have to be careful that you are not projecting your opinion and your thoughts and your experiences 
that might misguide you. So I think that's important. And, you know, for Cow and the brands that we have today, they are all certainly looking at expanding their reach as we think about um, gender neutrality and, and having an offering for all that becomes even more important. And I'm, you know, proud that we're looking beyond just women, even if they are the head of household shopper, it's understanding all of these consumers and their needs to be able to serve them. So maybe that becomes less and less of an advantage, but, um, but I think that's okay. Cause I think it's um, a great place to be. What do you do to make sure that you take a step back and you don't personalize what you're working on, that you stay objective? You know, I mean, first, I think we, we have to like talk to our consumers and really listen. And I know I've heard the advice before, don't go in trying to prove that what you thought is right. Actually yes. look to prove yourself wrong because yes. Yes. then you're really learning something, right? If, if so, I didn't need to talk to them in the first place. And at Cal, we have a term, um, it's a Japanese term called Gemba, meaning at the spot. And that means really going to where the consumer is, sometimes physically, although that's been hard over the last year, and seeing and hearing, because a lot of times what they say they do is different than what they actually do until you're able to just watch them in action. And those are the most memorable in the stories that stick with you that as you're creating something, you're like, no, I have to do this for Janet that I saw in San Diego because <laughs> yes, she yes. needs this. <laughs> So and sometimes she doesn't even realize she needs it. <laughs> absolutely not. That's right. Do you have some examples that you could share with us of some innovation that you feel has been really powerful? Mm, okay. Really powerful innovation. Yeah. So um, I'll give a lot of probably Jurgen's examples because I spent so much time on that brand. So th there are some products in the market that are part of the Jurgen's body butter collection. These are, um, what we learned is, you know, you can only have so many pump bottles of lotion, right? Because consumers, a lot of them get out of the shower, apply their lotion all over. But when we were actually visiting consumers in their home, we walked around their entire house and sometimes the garage, like, show me every place that you have a moisturizer and, and what you're using it for. And what we found is that there was some products that were be, being used, not just for that, oh, my hands are dry and I need a touch up. Um, one woman that we talked to in Texas described it as like, she had a, a tube of lotion sitting next to her kitchen sink and she had finished doing the dishes and she's like, and then I put this on. It's my favorite scent. It's like my little treat and reward for finishing my chores. Um, and to her, like that was, you know, so much of a different usage occasion. And so we really started to see that like, we need to separate out our portfolio based on their needs or the jobs that they're serving. And so this Jurgen's Body Butter collection, which has, um, each one has a different essential oil in it. It's all about these different moments that they were using these products for to really service um, something different than just moisturization. There was more to it. And so I think that, you know, those have been just really, I mean, from a business perspective, yes, incremental to our portfolio because they're picking it up in addition to kind of that big pump bottle, but it, it kind of gives that reframe of that moment for yourself to think about, okay, pause, take a breath 
and now move on with your day. And it's just, a, I mean, it sounds so silly, but it's just a little something that we can do that women were already doing. We just weren't necessarily giving them the right product to use it. Yeah. Serving that emotional need along with the physical need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. My daughter has uh, lotions everywhere. <laughs> and she's, it's interesting though, because she makes sure that she carries one that is unscented and one that's mm. scented. Because she is always being asked, can I use your, because people know that she's got lotion in her purse. Uh-huh. And she has one because some people don't like the scent and some people do. So I was like, that's really interesting. She's overly involved in being in personal so care. Kind. But, but I was that like, That is oh. really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say she gives the one she doesn't like to the other yeah. people and saves the better one. Yeah. I feel like you can use my unscented <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> that's right. Oh, how kind. I love that. Yes. She's very thoughtful. <laughs> so talk to us about what would be considered your proudest moment or your, your biggest accomplishment as an innovator? Yeah, it's hard to narrow it down, right? Uh, they're all my babies. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think, so let me give two examples and I'll try to keep them short. One kind of within the company and one without. So I think, you know, several years ago, we took one of our lotion variants, our shea butter. It was our third best, but quite a bit of a distance between second and third. Um, But it had a really cool user base of consumers that was more diverse than our others. And there's this beautiful story about shea butter because a lot of the shea nuts that are harvested in West Africa, the majority of shea comes from West Africa. And it's called their women's gold because the women are the one who go out and harvest and the income that they earn by selling the shea nuts is used for what at their discretion for what they want, which of course they choose, you know, their family, their children, schooling, those types of things. But it's a really empowering story. And we had not been talking about that. And, you know, we put together this beautiful story, both within the packaging of our existing variants. We sent a team to West Africa to really capture and record and and understand this story. And, you know, from a business perspective, it, it was great, right? Check the box. But what was even better than that was, you know, this was before a lot of brands were talking about philanthropy. And it just brought this beautiful 360 story of doing good for someone else, feeling good about it because you love this product and then telling a story that others may not have been aware about. So we did all of that without having a a new product that we put into the market. It was really just highlighting a story that already existed. And so it was just, you know, I say something that has stuck with me over the years of like, that's a home run in my eyes for innovation. The second example I would share is maybe more of a personal story. So I had some friends that um, live locally. They, out of their dream, wanted to open an ice cream shop in town. And they didn't, you know, had not a lot of experience. They just like thought the town needs an ice cream shop. We've always wanted to do this. The husband went out and learned how to make ice cream, experimented, tried things (laughs) out. And I remember reaching out to her saying, you know, hey, would you mind if I helped you like put together 
um, some thoughts on your brand and what your vision could be for your company and asked you some questions. And, you know, her first question was, well, how much do you charge? <laughs> like, nothing. Ice cream. Yes, trade, yes, trade, that's right. Trade. That's right. Nothing. You know, I, I just felt this um, desire to really do that for them because one, I wanted to try my skills in a different environment and knowing that our big brands are now competing with a lot of small startup brands for good reason, right? There's a lot more, there's a lot of grit there by these entrepreneurs. And I wanted to understand if I didn't have all of the resources that I do in my job, how could I help someone else to, you know, make their business successful? And it was probably one of the most rewarding things that I did because, you know, she was just really excited that, you know, there was some thoughts there and it helped me to go back within my role of the organization and say, how can I think differently about the day-to-day tasks that I do um, using that experience? So those are my proudest. And did you learn anything from that experience that you then now take to your normal day-to-day work? Yeah, I think, you know, there are certain times where, you know, doing things yourself, like we, we are fortunate that we have a lot of agencies to help us. We have um, people that do things for us, but sometimes on some of our smaller brands, it's roll up your sleeves and and go figure it out yourself because, you know, it's not big enough to take to an outside agency to help. Yeah. You know, we can do this. And I think that it really refueled that fire. Great. That is, that is great. And I think a lot of success comes when you're balancing both when you know you can roll your sleeves up and when you know you need a second pair of eyes that is like going to poke holes and, and act as a catalyst. And I think that's when you get a lot of really great successes. Yeah. Cause you kind of forget that. I think you lose when you first start within a company, you're like, Oh, you know, but you, you start getting into the motion and you have to like break yourself out of that box and say, you know, there's a different way to do things. Exactly. No complacency. No, no, no. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Are there are there industries that you can think of that you really wish were innovating more that you would love to impact? Yeah. I mean, I, I constantly think about startups and entrepreneurs um, just as a personal passion of wanting to help others. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny because larger organizations are are trying to learn so much from them. Yep. And I think that's great. But the the success rate of these small startups are still very small. And so, you know, I'd love to see how do we get more of these ideas, more of these passionate people, either their ideas coming to life better or um, supporting them so that the success rates there are just, there's so many ideas that we probably never see and experience because maybe it's just one piece of support. So I think, I think that's definitely an area Selfishly, I wish the childcare industry was easier and different. And I, you know, I think that goes back to being female and, and, you know, there's a lot of hurdles there that women face just trying to make sure that the family's taken care of. And, and I know we have a lot of families with shared responsibility. We, we do a lot of that here. You know, there's so many pieces that could be easier there for men and women to help make sure that their children are taken care of. It's interesting that you say that because from a childcare standpoint, 
for me, it actually goes all the way up to the government level where there really could be a change in terms of, and I say, you know, equal childcare, but the same type of childcare that's easily accessible to anybody regardless. Mm-hmm. And right. I, I mean, I was lucky. I had my kids at the P&G daycare, or, well, one at that point, but this fabulous facility. And we moved my daughter from there at one point because we moved further away from the city. And I just remember the differences and being like, holy cow, like this is a completely different game here. Like this is nothing compared to what we had had before. And for me, childcare is a big one too, because I really think there needs to be something that happens at a much bigger level. So women can find childcare or men, so they can actually, you know, go to work as opposed to having to compensate or, you know, do things that they, they might not do normally, like leaving a kid alone for a longer period of time. But um, yeah, when you just said that, I was like, I would love to see that at a government level have a, a big change, yeah. but it's so funny that, um, childcare was one of the kind of what I call the seeds of what cow now became, because when, when you had a child, you were like, Oh, I've got to look for childcare. And there's a couple of women in the organization that were like, I'll send you my spreadsheet. I'm like, you have a spreadsheet. Uh, and there became this spreadsheet that would circulate around the organization. Like I, Oh, I checked this place out or I checked this place out or that. And I think that informal kind of support that women gave each other was really, you know, the impetus for what Cow Now became because it was already happening. It was just like, how do we continue to support each other in these weird ways that women just feel like they need that extra support? So even just the spreadsheet, that's an easy way to share because (laughs) you don't, there's no need for you to go look at six different places. If somebody already has, you can still go if you want, but that's fabulous that you've already got that, you know. Head, you know, that, that foot in the door or that head start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that idea. <laughs> I don't need childcare yes. anymore, but I love that idea. That's right. I'm sure there's something more advanced <laughs> now than a spreadsheet, but yeah. Now there's cameras watching the children. <laughs> I, I think that ties perfectly into our next question, which is what your advice would be to other women whether in an innovative field or just trying to innovate in whatever category they're in. And maybe it's something that you guys already share within CalNow or something, you know, that you think personally. Yeah, I know there's, oh, there's so much, right. Cause it, um, I think that, you know, first of all, I, I think as a female in innovation, you know, do I, are the biggest problems because I'm female? Absolutely not. You know, innovation like I said, the success rate is hard no matter who you are. But I think it's it's easy to fall into those traps of like questioning yourself. Okay, if something didn't go right, was that something that I did? Or, you know, how could I have done that better? Maybe someone else would have done that better. So comparative and imposter syndrome. So I do think that, yes, women fall into that. Yes. And thank God for the Brene Browns of the world that can kind of diagnose us all and help us through these things. Um, but one piece of advice that was given to me when, you know, a few years ago, we were looking outside of the organization in my new role and just seeing how much was going on outside of our four walls. Like, oh my gosh, we, we've got to catch up. We've got to do these things. And, I, you know, I wanted to just change everything. And, and someone said to me, you know, don't spend so much time trying to change everyone else's thinking, change yours 
And then that changes your actions and then others notice and they eventually follow that. And, and that made it so much more um, attainable and in my control than me trying to convince a room full of people or let's have a lunch and learn. You need to learn about lean thinking. And, you know, it just doesn't work like that. And I think, you know, finding and educating yourself, that I think is the biggest piece that really makes a difference. I love that. And I really, I believe that that actually goes a long way. And I, being one of those people who can see three steps ahead and does want to stand in the room and say, we have to do this and here's why. And they look at you like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about or prove it. So I yeah. love that. I love that advice. And I, I'm really glad that you're able to share that. So one last question. Okay. So this sometimes is the harder question, but maybe not. So the podcast is called Hunting for Nova Sparkus because of the fact that we really are dedicated to sparking new thinking in others. So if there was something that you wanted to leave with the audience in terms of, you know, this idea of, of a piece of wisdom or sparking new, new ideas, what would that be? Mm-hmm. So much pressure. Because you, you already gave so much no. good advice. You've already given that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I think one piece for me that it boils down to is invest in yourself. And that's not, that's not in lieu of an organization that's going to support you. That's in addition to, because I think you have to keep looking, you have to keep learning, you have to educate yourself. And especially those opportunities of what you can do outside of your work that feeds back in. So, you know, I constantly think as a marketer, like, what's my brand? What's the narrative? And, and do I spend enough time on that for myself so that when I feel good about myself and the work that I'm doing and what I've invested in myself, then that then plays out and benefits both my organization, my role, my team, as well as me as a person. And so, you know, I don't know that it's the most unique advice, but I think just invest in yourself, keep looking, keep learning. That's what I would say. Great. Yeah. I think it plays back to what you were just saying, where there's a lot of things out of your control, mm -hmm. but yourself is one thing that you do have control over. So you might as well invest yes. in it. And yeah. Make you the best you can be. Yeah. I think that's great. I also think when you do that, that's how you understand when you need to pivot and when you need mm -hmm. to yeah. leave maybe what you're currently doing and shift and do something a little different because you realize maybe you are better suited to do something a little bit different. Or now you've gained so much knowledge and learning that you can shift and do something a little different. And it might, sometimes it might be something you're even more passionate about. So yeah, I love, and that could I love be within that. your organization. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you could, you know, being on this team, I'm like, this is, this is the role that I would only want to roll only role that I would want to be in at cow because it just, you know, checks all of those things for me personally and professionally and excites me. So yeah, I think it can be in, it can be out, right? Yeah. There's another piece yeah. of advice. You just said, go to work and be excited by what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And I know it's easier said than done for some, and we, and we all go through ebbs and flows yeah. too, right? We're yes. like, <laughs> What am I doing? What? What do you mean I have to do a session over the or on my computer? What do you, what? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thank right. you for joining us, Lisa. It was delightful to talk to you. Yes, thank you. Absolutely.
Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Women in innovation, I love it. If hunting for Nova Spark has tapped into your curiosity or sparked any new thinking, check us out and get in touch with us at cohocreative.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Coho Creative. 